Hello, I'm Regina Zona, and this is True Confessions of a Still Fabulous Diva. This is my true confession. I like to start projects and never complete them. I've always been able to dream up interesting projects for myself or for other people. I mean, what's more exciting than dreaming up some outrageous plan and maybe make some money or, or get famous or maybe do something just to pass the time? And I've thought up some good ones. And some of them have even passed the planning stage and moved into actual implementation. And some projects I've actually had a modicum of success with. And most of them turned out to go nowhere. <laughs> so, you know, there are the small hobbies. So one day I decided that I wanted to make jewelry. I bought about $500 worth of jewelry making supplies, beautiful things, stones and fittings and tools. I read books and I learned how to do stuff and I looked into classes and I created a Pinterest boards of designs that I wanted to recreate. And I did make some stuff. I made some bracelets and some necklaces and several pairs of earrings. And I mean, I even wear some of that stuff today. I made a few gifts. That lasted a couple of weeks. A couple of years ago after Christmas, I decided that I wanted to learn how to knit. So I bought a few hundred dollars worth of yarn and needles and I started knitting scarves. I had these visions of making scarves for everyone in my family. And then I thought it would be cool to knit a blanket, you know, one of those really big, chunky ones, nice, warm ones. And I did make some very nice scarves that I even wear today. And that lasted for about a month. Coloring was fun. I bought some of those adult coloring books and pencils and markers, art deco designs that, that really inspired me. I thought that that was really great, a great way to spend my downtime. And I colored two pages, but I did post them on Facebook. So I guess that maybe that's proof that I actually did do something. So then there were the possible career changes. When my uh, operatic career started to wane, I considered changing careers, finding something else to do. So at one point I was obsessed with my acrylic nails and I thought, well, maybe I should go to cosmetology school and learn how to become a nail tech. That idea lasted for about 15 minutes. I was and am obsessed with feng shui. So at one point I thought, you know, maybe I should become a feng shui consultant. That would be cool. So I researched courses online and I read a few books about it. And then I called my feng shui consultant. Yes, I do have a feng shui consultant and she's one of the most important consultants in my life. 
And I asked her if she thought it was a good idea that I become a feng shui consultant. And she, in a very sweet and supportive way, said, you know, I don't think that is really for you. So I moved on. Then I sold Mary Kay Cosmetics. I had a student who uh, sold Mary Kay Cosmetics. And uh, one summer, she was taking lessons and she came back to me after she had been to the convention, the Mary Kay convention in Dallas. And she started talking to me about it and she was so excited incredibly enamored, I might even say on the verge of being brainwashed about how fabulous this company was. She was super motivated to move up in the company and she told me that she was on a plan to win a car and that she was going to become a Mary Kay millionaire. So I told her that I liked lipstick. Why didn't she try to sell me stuff? And so she sold me on the product and, and I thought it was nice. And eventually I met with her director. And when I met with her director, I decided to sign up to become a consultant myself. I was pretty jazzed about it. You know, it seemed pretty easy to work your way up the company as long as you worked consistently and you worked hard enough. I sold a fair amount of product. And, you know, I even thought that I was going to work my way up to being a sales director. But like everything does, my enthusiasm eventually waned a bit. And after about a year and a half, I sort of stopped pursuing the Mary Kay millionaire thing. However, that did lead me to my next big venture. So I started working as an office assistant for my sales director, and she loved what I did so much that she encouraged me to market myself as an assistant and personal organizer for other directors. So this led me to creating my own personal organizing business specifically for Mary Kay directors and consultants. I had big dreams for this one. And it seemed like I was on the right track. I traveled all around the Northeast. I was organizing the home offices of these Mary Kay directors and consultants. And eventually, I wrote two books on the subject, basically outlining what I did for all of these women in their offices. And you can actually buy my book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble if you're interested. <laughs> so I sold my books at the conventions, the director's convention in the winter and the consultants and director's convention, the big convention in J Dallas every summer. And I was invited to meetings around the country to do seminars on organization. But eventually, <laughs> guess what? I lost interest. <laughs> And I never really made enough money to sustain the amount of work that it was going to take to keep that business up. So then there are the projects that are directly related to my chosen careers. When I moved back to New York after teaching in different states at universities, I decided that I was going to start a young artist workshop for musical theater, and opera performers. 
And so I gathered some people to help organize this with me. Although the people that I gathered were basically people that I knew, uh, that I, you know, then were introduced to through acquaintances. But in the end, they were people that really weren't interested in sort of doing the work that needed to be done to help me. So I ended up doing most of the work myself. I did all of the marketing. I sent out information all over the country. But as with any new project that requires others to sort of buy into it, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of money to actually get it off the ground. And after the initial interest in the program sort of was lackluster, that project eventually fell by the wayside. Then I needed to do something to rejuvenate my singing career. I was looking to create a new kind of voice recital, sort of a solo performance. And I dreamed up an idea on how to develop a following for this. The original idea for the show was based around four different personas, personas that could pertain to different times in my life. So there was the persona of the queen, the persona of the diva, the persona of the the artist, and then finally me. I was the last persona, the persona of Regina. And my idea for this show was that I wanted this to sort of transcend a traditional voice recital or transcend the traditional idea of a cabaret, which basically I could not hope to have any more than maybe 25 of my closest friends and family to attend. I really wanted this thing to live beyond me, this project to be something that would appeal to a mass audience. And so what I needed to do was develop a following. And I thought up the brilliant idea that the way to develop a following was to do what the kids are doing and create a web series. My idea for this web series was to film short episodes, each episode starring one of the personas that I had in this show. And it would explore, each episode would sort of explore the caricaturish idiosyncrasies of each one of these characters. So they were meant to be tongue-in-cheek, sort of -of out-of-the-box, stupid little episodes. I had found a former student that had often talked about wanting to be a playwright, and so she wrote the scripts for the episode. I gathered some of my hysterical friends. I do have several hysterical friends who gave me ideas on how to present these characters. I hired a makeup designer to come up with a specific look for each character, and all of a sudden a project was born. So my plan was to post an episode each week, and then every other day of the week, I would do social media blitzes to try to gain interest. I filmed two months of 
episodes in one weekend to save time. And I did all of the editing myself, even though I am not a film editor in any way, shape, or form. And we called this project Regina Unfurled. And I had big hopes for this one. Oh, yes, I did. I totally could envision getting my first 1,000 followers and then getting hitting that 5,000 followers mark, then maybe the 10,000 followers. And then, you know, I was going to be called by Ellen DeGeneres and, and she would bring me on, on her show and Shutterfly would give me $10,000. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was real. This was real, folks. So this lasted for two full cycles of filming. There are 12 entire episodes. And it too, like the rest of the projects, petered out. And the reasons for that I'm going to share in another episode. It was a very interesting experience putting this project together. Another recent project that I had uh, that I have conceived and is still sort of waiting to get off the ground is an effort to capitalize on my specialization of singing American art song. I decided to create a YouTube project where I would film myself singing, performing new and old American art song in a way of getting more information about this repertoire out into the public eye. And so in the YouTube comments of each one of these videos, I would put information about the composer, about the piece, where the music could be found, um, and I did already gather the first several pieces that I was going to do for this project, and I started rehearsing them with my pianist. But I still have yet to actually record any songs. But this is a project that I, I am going to implement uh, when I'm ready. There were also some video tutorials that I did for young artists in opera and musical theater, sort of how-to guides that uh, every young artist uh, could use to sort of figure out how to navigate their way through this business. And that lasted about six episodes. And then I tried the Facebook Live thing, but... I had the intent that that was going to sort of serve the same purpose as the uh, as the young artist videos, the how-to series on YouTube, and I thought that it was easier because it was didn't require any kind of editing. But I ended up doing that once, and now I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> So far, so good. I already have six episodes in the bank. Yay! And more are down the pike. So the staying power of this project is still, as of yet, undetermined. <laughs> the truth is, one of the main reasons that I like to start project is because my left brain really loves the planning of them. 
And when I get to a project that allows me to collaborate with other people, I get really, really inspired. Sometimes the completion of the project is not the point. I say that now in retrospect, of course, because every project I, I ever started, I thought that I was going to complete. I really did. But each unfinished project has served a particular purpose in my life. This is what I know for sure. Starting projects and not finishing them has taught me more than any project that I've started and completed. The Mary Kay Personal Organizing Project taught me a few things about myself. Number one, I could actually write a book and people would be interested in reading it. Who knew that? Number two, just because I'm good at something and people will pay me money to do it, doesn't mean that it's worth my time to do. That's a big one. And number three, if I don't have the passion for something, it's best not to take the time trying to turn it into a passion. And really, that's the main point of why I stopped doing that project. I had a modicum of success in that business, in that personal organizing business, and people valued me. But ultimately, that's not my destiny. And so when I finally realized that, I realized, yeah, I, I need to move on. The Young Artist video series taught me, number one, that I have valuable things to say to people who want to do something in the arts. And that even if I don't have the means to actually run a young artist program, that there are other ways that I can help them. Because ultimately, what I really wanted to do was run a young artist program. And who knows, maybe someday I will do that. But there are other ways to get my value, my advice out there. And that's one of these things that these, this project taught me. And number two, people will watch. And one person may even be helped by it. So that was good to know. The Regina Unfurled project taught me a lot about myself and about projects such as these. Number one, if you really want quality work to be done on something you have no idea how to do, you have to get professionals to do it. Number two, if you really want quality work, you have to have money to get professionals to do it. That's the thing about that project was that I really thought that the little knowledge that I had and the ability to learn stuff on YouTube would actually give me all of the knowledge that I needed in order to 
make that project a success. And I learned that we must consult the professionals. Number three, don't overestimate your ability in a space you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was true. Number four, I learned that I should never settle for mediocrity. Now, I knew that before. That has always been a mantra for me. Never accept mediocrity. Uh, but I found that I was willing to accept mediocrity in the service of something that I thought that I wanted. And I learned that I really shouldn't settle for mediocrity. Number five, I learned that I cannot do a Southern accent if my life depended on it. If you have not watched the episodes of Regina Unfurled, then you might not have any idea what I'm talking about. But let me tell you, this was a big thing to learn. I cannot do a Southern accent and I will no longer try. And number six, I think one of the most important things that I learned from that project was to never be afraid to make a fool of yourself. Because I really made a fool of myself. <laughs> in that project. But that, in a way, I accomplished something. I'm not quite sure exactly what I accomplished in that project, but I accomplished something and I would not have been able to accomplish it had I been afraid to make a fool of myself. Every project that I started had a purpose at the time. Maybe I was looking for a way to make money, or maybe I was looking for a way to put myself out there. Maybe I was looking for a way to just simply create a new creative venue for myself. Or, you know, honestly, maybe I was just bored. But the one thing that I know is that when a project pops into my head and I start to organize it and I start to plan it and I start to make it happen, it stimulates something in my brain that gets me really excited. And when I am being creative, that is ultimately when I am most happy. But I have thought back at these projects and I have tried to think, you know, is there something wrong with me? Something wrong with me that I, that I seem to start so many things and I do not complete most of these things. And then I talked to my spiritual advisor. Yes, I have a spiritual advisor and she's fabulous. And she told me that the reason that I like to start so many projects is that I like to have choices because I like to know that there is always something else out there. She said that when I feel that I have choices, then I think that I will be free. But... She said that freedom does not come from the choices because when you have so many choices, you become so overwhelmed with everything that needs to be done 
that sometimes you become paralyzed and then you cannot see them to completion. She said that freedom comes in the follow through. When you make one choice and you follow it through, you finally feel that you are free to move forward. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm still working on this one, okay? <laughs> but what this advice has really done for me is allow me to really make choices that bank on my strengths and my passions. I no longer start projects that have nothing to do with my goals and my values. That was a big thing. That if I do decide to start a project, it's not just some random project that is completely out of the realm of what I do. It is firmly planted in the goals that I have set, set for myself as a professional, as a woman, as a human. And I have also focused on just a few projects. And so now it's just, just two main things, two main projects. I'm writing a show, and I will talk more about that in a future episode. And I'm doing these, this podcast. So those are the two choices that I have made. And my mantra is freedom comes in the follow through. So here's my inspiration for the week. In trying to figure out what to leave you with today, I, I guess I wanted to impart the idea that there is always something to learn from a new project. There's always something to learn from anything that you do. And that is the biggest wish that I have for everyone, that you find a way to grow. That, I think, is the most important thing that you can do, is to find a way to grow. And serendipity stepped in today, because when I decided to check Facebook this morning, I saw a post that I had posted on my wall a couple of years back that is absolutely perfect. And it is a quote from the fabulous late opera singer, Beverly Sills. And she says, you may be disappointed if you fail, but you are doomed if you don't try. <laughs> so go out, start a new project, or finish an old project, or just keep working on a project. Whatever you do, just do something something that will keep you moving forward and allow you to grow. Thanks so much for listening. I'm really grateful to have you on this journey with me. And join me next week when my next confession is, I like to talk about myself too.
as if that isn't obvious. <laughs> and remember that the only response to the question, how are you, is fabulous.